you, you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> Welcome to Salt Lake Dirt. I'm your host, Kyler Bingham. Today, I'm very excited to welcome a guest I've been wanting to have on the show for a while now. Arthur Dark, filmmaker and the host of Hollywood Graveyard, joins me today. If you haven't come across his YouTube channel, make sure to check it out. If you are a fan of my show, chances are his films and videos will interest you. Okay, so this is from his website, hollywoodgraveyard.com. It says... Arthur Dark created Hollywood Graveyard as a way to keep the memory of the world's greatest entertainers alive by visiting their final resting places. His famous grave tour videos take us on a journey of remembrance of the stars we know and love and introduce us to a few new ones along the way. So the channel just had its sixth year anniversary and has about 300,000 subscribers. It's one of the few YouTube channels, probably the only one that I make sure to keep caught up on. On a side note, uh, something I didn't know for quite a long time, Arthur is actually from Salt Lake City, uh, which was very cool to find out. Um, I'm putting links to uh, some of the playlists that I really enjoyed, as well as the short films that he's produced, so uh, make sure to check those out. Um, Okay, let's jump into it and talk to Arthur Dark on the Salt Lake Dirt podcast. Thanks for listening. Arthur Dark, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, this is a real treat for me. Great uh, to be here. Thank you, Kyle. Yeah, this is fun. So uh, I've been following your channel uh, and people who aren't aware of it, Hollywood Graveyard. Um, I'm not a big YouTube guy, but this is one channel that I that I like look forward to seeing the videos and I have the notifications and I'm always like like watching them immediately. So I should say you're you're a filmmaker and the host of uh, Hollywood graveyard which is like almost at 300,000 subscribers last time I checked which is incredible um it's been around for about six years if I'm not mistaken almost exactly yeah in fact the first video uh was released January 27th 2017 so we're knocking on the door of six years tomorrow I believe that's amazing um so I I think well one thing for people who don't know about the channel, you are you basically visit um, initially exclusively Southern California cemeteries and see the like the notable people, celebrities and otherwise who are interred there. Uh, but you've been all over the world uh, at this point, which is very cool. And I think uh, what what drew me to you, um, I'm so I'm 40 years old, and when I was in middle school, I had like a real uh, obsession with old Hollywood that still, you know, continues to today. And oh, yeah. for whatever reason, you know, I think we went on a family trip to Disneyland mm-hmm. and I, I was obsessed with finding Curly Howard's grave from the three oh, stages. Yeah. And so, and this was a time when, when the internet was just kind of coming out. Uh, and so yeah, it, it must've been challenging back oh my then God. to find your way around. So we did, yeah, I'll just tell you this and then I'll stop talking about myself, but I think, yeah. so um, the only reference point I had for his, grave was a uh, Three Stooges scrapbook, and it said he was buried in Whittier, California, and it had the name of the cemetery, which is correct, mm-hmm. but yeah. he's he's in East Los Angeles, so yeah. not in Whittier, so um, we, my parents were nice enough, they took me to Whittier, and we were like looking through phone books to find <laughs> this address, because you couldn't just plug it in, uh, and then we did find it, and you know, that kind of sparked my interest, I must have been like 14 at the time, uh, Okay, and, and yeah. then I, and then, um, my dad was really cool. He would take me down, and we would go to like, like kind of like memorabilia shows, and then we'd always hit up a couple cemeteries. So I've been to, yeah. I think I've been to all of the cemeteries that you've covered in the Southern California videos. Yeah, but I guess I should say like, or ask like, what? When did you become interested in in grave hunting? Well, I have to, I have to hand it to you. You got in it before me, long before <laughs> me. Um, that that's pretty impressive. Like I. Uh, I only really got into it um, when I moved out here to California in 2011. Um, the, the the concept of famous graves had always fascinated me. Um, I, I 
uh, I can parallel an experience, I guess, when I was about 14 or 15 growing up in Utah. Um, you know, I, I think it was a, a youth activity or something like that. We went up to Salt Lake City Cemetery. Yeah, great cemetery. A, a beautiful cemetery, yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, they, they showed us around to some of the famous, uh, you know, in Utah standards, famous, you know, historical individuals. You know, these are people that we grew up hearing about. And, you know, at that young age, I was really sort of fascinated by the idea that, you know, you're sort of standing there in the presence of of this, you know, famous person that you, you know, grew up hearing about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it never really went beyond that for me until I came out to California. Well, actually, uh, I'll back up a little bit. My the the years leading up to my moving out to California, you know, I, like you, had, you know, really grown to appreciate and to have a fascination with and an interest in Hollywood history, um, entertainment in general. You know, being being a creative, you sort of, you know, naturally are are drawn to those that have gone before, and. And so as, as part of, you know, I would read biographies of people like Walt Disney and others, it's sort of part of their story. Obviously, the, the final period at the, on the last sentence of their, of, their, of their book of life, so to speak, is where they are buried. And I always was sort of fascinated by that idea of being able to visit that individual at their final resting place. But, you know, living in Utah, I never did. Mm-hmm. So I, I would look it up online, you know, I'd look up on Find a Grave from time to time and say, oh, Mel Blanc is, you know, in this far off cemetery in, <laughs> in Hollywood. And it just seems so, so far off and so exotic and so just otherworldly. Um, and so it was really just sort of a, a, an Internet curiosity as, as websites like these um, um, made I guess grave hunting far more accessible than it probably was when you were mm-hmm. down there when you were fourteen. Um, um, it was it was just sort of a, a remote fascination for me. Um, but then when I moved out here in two thousand eleven, I had the chance to actually put boots on the ground and visit these sites for real, and that's when it really took off. And I really fell down the rabbit hole um, <laughs> visiting visiting the graves of people that I knew, but what really caused that rabbit hole to go deep was meeting new people along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, I was no, I was no, you know, expert, no Hollywood historian by any means. I was just a guy that loved music and movies and, and books and entertainment and was sort of fascinated by the personalities that conjured up these things that I have enjoyed in my um, but boy, when you start wandering around Hollywood forever, you can't mm-hmm. help but meet new people, you know, same, you know, <laughs> Forrest Long Glenda, you can't help oh but God. meet new people and be introduced to a movie that you otherwise never would have found a book that you otherwise never would have read a TV show that has been off the, the air for decades that now you can find on YouTube, things like that, that it just opens up your world to, uh, you know, to, to art that, and stories and people you may otherwise never have found. And so that's when it really just snowballed for me. And at the time, it, 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 was, it was still a little challenging to find, these, mm-hmm. to find these sites. We know we're talking 2011, 2012. Find a Grave was, was fairly new. But, um, and there were some other sites that I would use. And yeah. um, there was a site called Seeing Stars that I used that gave good sort of step-by-step directions on how to get to, to sites. And there were books I got. I got Steve Goldstein's book. Um, about the cemeteries around mm-hmm. Los Angeles. And so, so all, all of these assets were very helpful. But, you know, there's no like GPS pinpoints like you have today. Mm-hmm. There were very few videos guiding yeah. you to locations that you have today. And so it was a real sort of Indiana Jones, I'm looking for the <laughs> tomb of Sir Richard sort of <laughs> endeavor. And it, it, it sort of felt like that. It was sort of a treasure hunt um, in a way. Um, and as enjoyable of an experience as it was, I also realized that maybe, maybe there's a way that we can make this more accessible and bring it to more people, not only make it easier to find these sites for people that can make it to these locations, 
But for people that are living on the other side of the world, maybe give them a, a vicarious experience to reach these locations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I initially started toying around with the idea of, of a website with a, a custom-made Google map with these little GPS pinpoints that never really went anywhere. And this is also at the time when new apps were just the craze. You know, if you wanted mm-hmm. to make make it in this world, you, you developed an app. So I thought, oh, maybe I'll make a Hollywood Graveyard app where there's sort of an interactive GPS uh, uh, Google map associated with it. That never took off. And so I kept toying around with what can I do with this? I already had the name picked mm-hmm. out, Hollywood Graveyard. You know, what can I do with this concept? And that's when I fell into YouTube. And there were there were videos of of um, famous graves on YouTube. Um, but I felt like, you know, maybe I can, I can sort of take it to the next level. Um, and so that's sort of how long and short of how Hollywood Graveyard came to be and how I sort of got, got going out here in LA. I think, so one thing that struck me, and I, th- I feel like this was just right out the gates with your, with your videos when I've, I forget which one, it must have been. It had to have been one of the first ones. So whether it was ho- like one of the first Hollywood uh, Forever videos or Forest Lawn Forest videos, Lawn. they were very green, very yeah. sort of rough around the edges, but, edges still. But, but still, like they, those were the best I had seen as yeah. far as you know, to my knowledge of um, like production value and just in, in, enjoyable to sit down and watch, not like yeah, crazy shaky was, camera. <laughs> yeah, it, I didn't want it to be a selfie thing. I, mm-hmm. I wanted it to be first person like the viewer is experiencing this tour on their own and i also wanted it to kind of feel like a tv show yeah you know i you know we open with a theme we you know we roll credits we get people into it with a little opening sequence and so it, it, it i wanted it to feel like a combination of something that's both documentary but also an entertaining quasi television show and with youtube you can do that you know i YouTube has a lot of sort of um, different expressions, um, but for some people, you know, it's it's a way, it's a form of self-distribution more than anything. Mm-hmm. You know, if if the History Channel or or um, HBO isn't going to pick me up, well, I can just self-distribute on YouTube. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of a thing, and that's been a tremendous resource for creatives that that have something that is so niche, pun mm-hmm. intended. Um, like Hollywood Graveyard, that um, it's, you know, for a lot of people, it's almost like they can have their own little TV show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you're so right. I mean, it is so specific. I think that's when when I was younger, and I've still, like, continued my interest in it, and, like, it, it has gotten easier um, finding graves and every, I go down there. I used to live down there in my twenties. And then, so I'm, I live in Salt Lake now and Mm -hmm. I go, I go down there for various things, um, a few times a year. And I always try to hit a cemetery, whether it's one, I think I've been to most of them, but I always go. And then, so like I was just down there a a few months ago and on the way to the airport, I was close to uh, forest lawn Glendale. So I've been there Mm -hmm. a million times, but I'm like, there's that place is so big. All of them are like, so you know, even the small ones, you can just wander and find cool new things. So, um, it's a, it's an interest that I think you can just revisit these places over and over again. And just, you know, it's, I love, especially in Southern California, just the bustle of, of wherever you are, it's just crazy. It's busy. And then you roll into a cemetery and there's this peace, there's this calmness. There's not a lot of people. There's even a smell, you know, you walk through some Mm -hmm. of these, you know, and it's, it's it's like the smog of LA sort of isn't allowed through the gates of the cemetery. No, I, I hear you. It's, it's it is. True. Yeah, it's, it's there are these little oases in 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 the hustle and bustle of Los Angeles, and it's it's nice to just sort of get away from it all. And they're quiet. They're peaceful. They're beautiful. I mean, you meant and they they all have their own character. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hollywood stars all have their own character, and you can say the same thing about the cemeteries. Um, Hollywood Forever, for example, is very, very Hollywood. I mean, if you wanted to talk about a cemetery that embraces the spirit of Hollywood and showmanship and art and creative expression, it would be Hollywood Forever. Uh, but th- you, you talk about the forest lawns, which are, are, are beautiful 
in an entirely different way. There's this sort of reverence and classical artistic beauty associated, associated with them. The forest lawns definitely took cues from Europe, mm-hmm. um, uh, at least in respect to like the mausoleums, the statuary. Obviously, they, they didn't take any cues when it comes to the Memorial Park style with the, the flat markers, um, which gives a sense of literally just being in, in a park. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, there, there's, there's, there's character to be found in, in all of these different cemeteries out here. Yeah, I, I love um, – it, it seems like Hollywood Forever has been a, like a good supporter of, of your work. I'm, um, I remember when I – the first time I went to Hollywood Forever, this was before Tyler – uh, bought the bought the property, so it was before under, the Renaissance. So before the Renaissance, so that was quite a sight. If you could, it was kind of a little scary going into that mm. cemetery, uh, just because there were people kind of camped out there, yeah. uh, and it was really run down. I had heard there was even um, talks of like shutting the gates on it. Um, and so yeah. it's, it's amazing what that place has done. Like, you know, there's yoga on the lawn every week. There's movies, yeah. there's concerts, there's the movie screenings, concerts. Exactly. They really embrace, uh, what they are. And I think that's what, that's the cemetery. Unlike any of them there that really yeah. like encourage people to come and to hang out and to look at all the stuff. So I, I, I'm trying to remember, I, I remember, something like you had like a, a high number of subscribers youtube gives like a plaque or a glass mm-hmm. thing and then you had it in uh was it in the great mausoleum for a while no it was in the cathedral mausoleum at, okay at hollywood forever Center. oh that's what it, yeah so, hollywood forever yeah. that's what i meant to say yeah yeah um that's what yeah where valentino is so exactly tell, tell exactly. us about that that was really cool how that even uh came about that you you had your <laughs> youtube award my, my silver there. plaque. Yeah, so 100,000 subscribers, YouTube sends you a little silver plaque. Um, and I wanted to find a way to sort of, sort of share that with the viewers and the subscribers, because obviously it's a reflection of, of them. It's a reflection of the support that they have given me, which has kept the channel alive for six years. When I started Hollywood Graveyard, I had sort of a greatest hits list of cemeteries and videos I wanted to do. And after that, I had no intention of or at least I didn't anticipate, I couldn't fathom, you know, I would still be doing this six years later and going to places like Switzerland and Italy and and New York. Um, But that's all because of the support of the subscribers. Um, And so when YouTube sent me this, this little plaque, I thought, well, gosh, I'd love to share this with everybody, but how can I do it in a very Hollywood graveyard way? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So I contacted Hollywood Forever Cemetery and, and, asked them if I could essentially rent temporarily one of their glass front niches in, in the mausoleum, the glass front niches, it's, it's a smaller, um, you know, niche where typically cremated remains are, are held. And they have uh, a series of them that are glass front. So people uh, put things that are, you know, special or reflective of, of them as an individual within these little glass niches and, and the personality of the individual really comes out and it's really fun to see that. Um, and so I asked him if I could essentially rent for a, a couple of months, one of these glass front niches to put my little, uh, silver, uh, YouTube, uh, plaque in for the viewers to come see. And they were kind and gracious enough to allow me to do that. So it was just a temporary thing, but yeah, it was there long enough for, for the viewers to, to go in and, and see it for themselves. I love it. Yeah, I I always really enjoy just walking around um, and seeing those niches. So one that I really want to check out is uh, it's it's Hollywood Forever. I think it's in the Abbey of the Psalms, mm-hmm. um, if I'm not mistaken. But it's a uh, the the actor who played Jombie the genie on Pee Wee's. Uh, Playhouse. I don't know if you're familiar with that. You should look this up. He um, he passed yeah, away. John 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 Paragon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you seen what they've done with his uh, cremains there? <laughs> yes, his 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 urn is a recreation of the John B. the Genie TV box. It's, it's it's magnificent. Yeah, and that's that's exactly the kind of uh, of of thing that that makes Hollywood a Forever Cemetery great is because they just they embrace that kind of a thing. And yeah. that 
that's who he was. That was his personality. And it's, it's a reflection of his life and his work. And it's so great that, you know, with these glass front niches, you can sort of have a literal window into who these individuals were. Yeah, that's great. I have um, an acquaintance of mine. He used to run across the street, the Dearly Departed tours, mm-hmm. uh, directly across the street, Scott Michaels. Scott Michaels, yeah. Yeah, Scott Michaels. He, he has... Um, he he's purchased his uh, crypt in <laughs> in the cathedral mausoleum a oh, long time ago. He'll be in ago. the cathedral. He'll oh, be yeah, in the great. cathedral. So, I thought that was cool. Uh, here's this kind of a fun question: If you had to pick one of the cemeteries in Los Angeles, uh, where would you choose to be interred, and in, in what what capacity? That is a question I've long thought about. And I'm asked <laughs> it often, and the answer has changed uh, several times over the years. I've had lots of ideas because obviously this being sort of what I do and what I'm known for, um, it would be somewhat anticlimactic if I was just cremated and my ashes were scattered. Um, <laughs> if I had my way, okay, I'll, I'll give you a couple of, of events. If I had my way, um, I would have my skull removed and cleaned and put on display in, a, in one of those glass front niches, wearing my little hat and glasses. <laughs> now, I don't think that's legal. So They'll never, they, maybe they won't know. They'll never know, right? <laughs> pretend like it's it's a fake one. But no, and, and then the rest of me would be cremated and divided among, I don't know, either locations or friends and family, that kind of a thing. But I would love that idea. I mean, that's very sort of a European thing. <laughs> you put you put your actual remains on display. Um, it doesn't really fly here. <laughs> like the cat, a, the catacombs of Palermo, like exactly stick out to me. Exactly. <laughs> it's different. Yeah, very or different out here. Saint Saint Valentine's skull in Rome in, in a glass <laughs> reliquary. Uh, who know? I, who knows? Maybe yeah. maybe they'd let me. But um, <laughs> no, it would it it would. Um, I would probably land either in. Oh, it's it's a tough call because I love yeah. Hollywood Forever for the Hollywood spirit, but I love Forest Lawn Glendale, the great mausoleums, my favorite mausoleums. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, okay, why don't we put, you know, take up my heart and put it in a in a, in a crypt in the great mausoleum, and then uh, I don't know, put the rest of me at at uh, at Forest at, at sorry at Hollywood Forever. It's actually not an, an uncommon thing to do. Um, Interesting. Chopin. Chopin uh, if you if you've watched our video, Chopin was buried in Paris at Père Lachaise. But being, um, oh shoot, where was Chopin from originally? Uh, let me just Google it real quick so I don't misspeak. Uh, Poland, that's right. Uh, so uh, he had his heart removed and entombed in Poland because, you know, that's where his heart was, but he, the rest of him was buried in Paris. So I don't know. Like I said, I have ma- perhaps more European sensibilities than most when it comes to that sort of a thing, but I just don't know uh, if that would fly here in the States. I, I love that. That's great. Have my heart buried like at the Salt Lake City Cemetery or something like that. The rest of me down, the rest of me down here. I love it. I, man, the Great Mausoleum, I mean, I, I've wandered through that as far as I can go, like many times. That place yeah. is, it, it's incredible. I mean, um, if people have not, if, you know, if you're going to Universal Studios, people go check out <laughs> Forest Salon. You're not too far away. I mean, they used to call Forest Lawn Glendale the, the Disneyland uh, of cemeteries because yeah. back in the day, it was far more accessible. I mean, the the the, for, the Great Mausoleum was wide open to anyone, and they would encourage sort of this Père Lachaise sort of come one, come all tourist sort of approach to mm-hmm. to, to the cemeteries. But that, that has changed over the years, unfortunately. And it's a shame because... The Great Mausoleum is one of the most magnificent buildings in all of Los Angeles. I mean, it is just spectacular. You want a little piece of of, of Gothic Europe in Glendale, you know, there it is. Yeah. Um, and, and, and not just there, – there's a, a magnificent serenity and beauty and peace and just an air of history coursing through those halls mm-hmm. that you can feel. I mean, you've, you've got – You've got so much Hollywood history in those halls, from Elizabeth Taylor to Clark Gable, Carol Lombard, all the way down to the silent era. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's palpable. 
Yeah. So it, it, it breaks my heart that so few people get to experience that. Get to see it. Um, I know I almost considered even getting a job when I lived down there. I'm like, I'm just going to get a job there for a while yeah, yeah, and yeah. be able to like check it out. <laughs> give me the golden key. You know? Seriously. I'll, I'll mow the lawns. Just give me a golden key. Um, I want to talk about your um, like your your narrative films mm-hmm. uh, that, that you've been putting out. So you did the Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe, Poe and the women who haunted him, mm-hmm. uh, which is incredible. Uh, the the spirits of uh, Greenwood Cemetery, um, and then the Twilight Zone episode, which was like mm-hmm. very very cool. How you were kind of you're in it, and then uh, so I'm gonna put links to all these so people can see those. Tell me about the like the short films um, that you've been working on. These are these are more recent as opposed to the first you know the videos of the of the cemeteries. Uh, was filmmaking always an interest of yours? Something you wanted to get into? Um, so I guess you could speak to that a bit and then tell us about, you know, whatever of those films you want to chat about, um, or all of them. I'm just, really, yeah. I really enjoyed the shorts or the, the, the narrative. So, um, I, I'd love to see them to, you know, keep coming. Well, they will, they will keep coming. Um, so yeah, as, as the channel grew, obviously you, you want to grow with it. You want not to stagnate. You want to. Uh, obviously, people love the famous Grave Tour videos, um, so those continue. But you know, we wanted to introduce new and more daring, I suppose, content, more challenging, um, and so so sort of incorporating narrative stories while still feeling like it's under the umbrella of Hollywood Graveyard. Um, that's something that we've started to do over the last couple of years. The first endeavor was the Twilight Zone um, special that you alluded to. And the way we approached that was like um, my my visiting of, of Rod Serling, who is the creator, writer and creator of the Twilight Zone. My visit to Rod Serling's grave in Interlake in New York sort of becomes my own journey through the Twilight Zone. So it was it was shot and produced and edited very much to look like the original Twilight Zone series, you know, four by three aspect ratio, black and white. Um, so after I visit Rod's grave in New York, I take a journey home on a, on a train. Naturally, if you're doing Twilight Zone, you don't hop on a plane. We, <laughs> we hopped on a train. Incidentally, while we're on the subject of Utah, the, the train sequence um, uh, shoots were done at the Heber Valley Railroad. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, the, the idea was, okay, well, we could, I wanted to do famous grave tour video featuring the people behind the Twilight Zone, not just Rod Serling, but cinematographers, composers like Marius Constant and, and Bernard Herrmann. And then, of course, you've got all the actors, tons and tons of actors. Mm-hmm. As an anthology series, you rarely had repeat cast. Um, so all the big names of film and television in the late fifties, early sixties, you know, made their appearance on the twilight zone. Um, but then you also had, um, you know, uh, like makeup artists and special effects artists. And so we wanted sort of the whole kit and caboodle. Um, so the idea is that while we still feature these, the, the graves of all these individuals, there's sort of a narrative story um, that carries us through that whole, that whole process. And I, as I'm traveling home on this, on this train, sort of a stop at will be kind of a thing. Um, I'm haunted by this, this young kid who, who insists that, you know, there's, there, there are more, um, more stars to remember, more graves to visit of people associated with the twilight zone there's always one more one more and it's sort of that descent into madness kind of a thing uh, and the very last grave that i visit i won't spoil it for, for your audience but you know it's a very twilight zone s- sort of an ending um and so that was a lot of fun to do not only were we you know featuring the creatives and the talents behind the twilight zone but we did it in a very Twilight Zone kind of a way. We actually made it like it was an episode of the Twilight Zone. Yeah, it's great. Um, 
And the success of that video, you know, helped us realize that, okay, this is something that the audience enjoys. It still feels like Hollywood Graveyard, but it's, it's a chance as a filmmaker to grow and to do something bigger and more ambitious. Um, and so we've, we've just started to about once a year, tried to put out on the channel something that is in the spirit of um, an original narrative, a, a short story, a short film. Um, the next one that we did was the Spirits of Greenwood Cemetery, and this this was a the first video on our channel that was not a famous grave tour at all. It was just a short film, mm -hmm. but it it again it still felt like Hollywood Graveyard because it was inspired by a story that we had told from one of our previous videos, and it takes place in a cemetery and you know that kind of a thing. It has a very old Hollywood kind of a feel. Um, it's about it's about a story of you know during prohibition era, you know speakeasies could be found just about everywhere, and that includes that included in a cemetery. There was a once a speakeasy that was operating in a cemetery, and you know local residents would hear strange noises you know, from <laughs> deep within the cemetery late at night, you know hooting and howling and, and music, and people thought that the cemetery was haunted. Well, it turns out it was just a, a speakeasy operating in like a the maintenance man shed so <laughs> we I, I thought that was just too fun a story not to try to to try to make into a short film so it, it was a chance to just make a fun little short film and you know write some music and and uh and yeah so then the the, the big one the one that um consumed a year and a half of, of my life uh a, a long time passion project of mine was the edgar Allan poe special i've I wanted, to do, yeah, I wanted to do epic. something with Poe for a very long time, but it had to be done right. Mm -hmm. We had to be sort of ready for it. And so um, it finally felt right to do an Edgar Allan Poe special when I was able to get contact with um, one of the caretakers at the Westminster Burial Ground in Baltimore, where Poe was buried, um, who happened to be a fan of Hollywood Graveyard. Oh, wow. She actually contacted me. <laughs> That's and, you awesome. know, for, for years I've been brewing, okay, what can I do with Poe? What can I do with Poe? It has to be something like the Twilight Zone, where it's more than just, hey, here's his grave, he wrote the Raven, end of story. Sure. It had to be a Poe, you know, experience. And um, but her contacting me and saying, Hey, if you ever want to come visit the Westminster Burial Ground, uh, I'll 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 show you around was for me sort of the green light, okay, this yeah. this has to happen. Because <laughs> We wanted to film it at night. We wanted to film post-grave post at night. You can't have a spooky Edgar Allan Poe special um, with, you know, sunshine blue skies blaring down on <laughs> So, But the, the graveyard closes, at the, you know, the gate shut at 5 p.m. And so I reached out to her and I told her, okay, I've got this idea. I want to do an Edgar Allan Poe special, but we would need to film there at night. Can we make this happen? And she was, she was all in. It was a go. So like with our Twilight Zone special, the idea was, okay, we, we start the my visitation of, to Edgar Allan Poe's grave sort of in a very cinematic sort of a way. Um, but after I visit Poe's grave, I become haunted by sort of the ghosts of his past. Um, because the big sort of open-ended question in Poe's, in Poe's life is... Um, you know, who are the ma major inspirations of, for a lot of his work? And those that know Poe's life story know that he, he was dealt countless tragic blows in his life where the women in his life, particularly, that he loved and who loved him, died young, died tragically young, beginning with his mother dying when he was three, his, his foster mother, his wife, all died very young, often from the same disease, um, and so this sort of grief, this sort of melancholy of, of, of these tragic women who die and yet continue to haunt him throughout his life is, is reflected in his writings. Um, you know, but people are, uh, will often ask, okay, which, who inspired which story? You know, who was the inspiration for Annabelle Lee? Who was the inspiration for The Raven? Who was the inspiration for Ula Loom? Um, and... And people make arguments that, uh, you know, well, his mother, his wife, 
um, some of his other romantic partners. Um, so this question that, that I ask, sort of standing at his grave, um, I, I guess you could say conjures the ghost of, of, of these women to haunt me. And then she essentially hijacks the, the tour and takes me to the graves of all the women in Poe's life who have haunted him. So we visit, after Poe, we visit uh, the grave of his mother, Eliza. We visit the grave of his foster mother, Frances. We visit the grave of one of his, um, a woman who was very dear to him as, in his youth, Jane Stannard. Uh, and then, of course, his wife, Virginia, and um, some of his, um, some of the women in his life who were creative inspirations uh, uh, to him, like um, Francis Sargent Osgood. We, and each time, we make a compelling case that, oh, this is the woman who is haunting me, a.k.a. the woman who haunted Poe. Um, and then at the end, there's sort of this big coming together moment when I'm reading Annabelle Lee. I won't spoil it again so that your audience can enjoy it in full, but... Um, that that was the um, that was the big story that we wanted to tell with Edgar Allan Poe was not just to visit his grave, but to visit the the women who inspired some of this this masterful work, you know, from the Raven to uh, you know Annabelle Lee, um, and we wanted to do it in a very Edgar Allan Poe sort of a way, so it really feels you know like like. Uh, the Victorian era uh, sort of ghost story, if you will. So it, that was our that was our Halloween release um, for last year. Most of our videos are very, as you know, and if, if anyone that's seen the videos knows, it's they're very bright and positive and and celebrations of life. But I also love the other side of graveyards and cemeteries, and I love spookiness i love a good ghost story and so um yeah the the edgar Allan poe video was a little a little darker uh it channeled you know some of our our, our favorite horror stories obviously um inspired by the writings of poe and so it made for sort of a perfect halloween release and edgar Allan poe died on october 7th um, 1849. So we actually released it on October 7th, the mm -hmm. anniversary of, of the day that he died. Um, and it was a big production too. I mean, we spent, we spent a, a good week or two on the East Coast because all the grave sites that we visited were on the East Coast. And then we did a lot of our recreations um, here around Los Angeles. So in addition to visiting the graves and sort of telling the story of Poe and these women, um, in his life, we, we recreated these little vignettes and that's what, um, uh, you know, to really give it a, a, a docudrama short film, sort of a feel, we recreated moments in his life. So that meant finding, you know, Victorian looking locations and Victorian dresses and, and, and that kind of a thing. And it was a huge undertaking, but so much fun to do. And then at the end, we even got to write some original music for it, you know, a, a film score and, and a couple of songs. So as far as, yeah, uh, as far as the scale, the Edgar Allan Poe video is by far the biggest thing we've ever done. Yeah, it's and pretty. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and hopefully, you know, bigger and better things to come going that, forward. You know, that's we're exciting. Always looking up. Yeah. And, um, like I said, it is epic. People definitely need to check it out. And I do want to ask you about, uh, you know, especially like with filmmaking, um, when you're getting at the level where it's like you you have to collaborate with people, and you have some yeah. pretty pretty incredible collaborators. Um, the the guy who does the music for Hollywood Graveyard, incredible. There's that Twilight Zone album. Um, that's available, which is, I play that all the time. Um, and then Satin Puppets, who I'm a big fan of mm -hmm. as well. So I would just love to hear you talk about some of the people um, that have kind of helped some of some of these projects happen, um, you know, make them so, you know, unique yeah. and special and great. Oh, of course. Well, Hollywood Graveyard, the, the normal videos, fortunately, are fairly easy for me to just to tackle on my own. Um, and 
Giuseppe, the, the composer, Hollywood graveyard composer, Giuseppe Vassipoli, we met at USC um, back in 2011, um, studying film music, actually. And um, as I was developing this idea for Hollywood Graveyard, I approached him about it. And he, he, had, he had sort of a, a similar idea as well. He, 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 you know, when I came to him about uh, an app for famous graves, you know, he was like, I thought about doing the same thing too, you know. <laughs> and so it was something that had crossed his mind. And so we started toying around with the idea of, okay, well, maybe we could do um, uh, you know, a, a YouTube video sort of approach. And he had, he actually had far more experience with cinematography than I did at the time. And so the idea was that he would film and I would write and narrate and, you know, be the tour guide kind mm -hmm. sort of a thing. And we sort of experimented with that and it, it didn't really, it didn't really work to have me on camera. Mm -hmm. It was just far too complicated. Um, and so that that didn't really that didn't really pan out. But at the same time, Giuseppe, um, he's a far more talented composer than I am. I'll admit that any day. <laughs> um, he he's actually a, a he's both classically trained and jazz trained. He has a wonderful uh, he has a very strong jazz sensibilities, and he plays in jazz bands, and that's sort of his forte. And with Hollywood Graveyard, I wanted that old school feel for the music. You know, I wanted it to feel like jazz age, old classic Hollywood. And so uh, I approached him about, well, if, if you're not going to, you know, be the camera guy, what about to be in the music guy? Mm -hmm. And he was all for it. And so I, 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 I will never underestimate the value that his music has brought to, to the production. I mean, they, oh, yeah. his, his music is very much part of the character of, of the videos. Um, so yeah. And then we've continued to collaborate. We, we actually both wrote music for the twilight zone video. We both wrote music for spirits of Greenwood cemetery. And we both wrote music for the Edgar Allan Poe special. Um, but you're right that anytime you want to step, step it up and create something more like a narrative short film, it, it, it snowballs very quickly. You need a lot of help and it, it gets very complicated very fast. And so I'm, I'm fortunate through USC to have made a lot of um, very talented filmmaking friends mm -hmm. um, that have they've helped with, you know, cinematography, which, which basic production. Um, and you mentioned uh, Satin Puppets, Julia and Joanna. They, going back to the Edgar Allan Poe video, there were really two events that greenlit that video. The first one, as I alluded to earlier, was having the caretaker at Westminster reach out to me. But the second one was, well, I have this idea. I need a ghostly woman to essentially be the, the lead, the main character. I mean, aside from I'm the host, so to speak, but I'm just kind of there along for the ride in, in, in the movie. The main character is um, this ghostly figure that haunts me throughout throughout the, the video. Um, but given the complicated nature of the shoot, the fact that, you know, we're going to do, uh, you know, a week back East and, and it was very spread out. It wasn't, okay, we're going to, we're going to set aside two months and we're just going to shoot it all like a normal movie is done. It was literally just peppered throughout about a year and a half. Whenever we had time, we, you know, we went up to San Francisco for the black sands beach shoot, or we went to the inland empire and found this old mansion uh, that was had a great Victorian look, and these shoots were all just sort of spread out. And I couldn't afford, we couldn't afford to have like a makeup artist on set or a costume designer on set. So I basically needed to find someone who could handle all of that and was, would be totally on board to being a full-on collaborator, not just a hired actress. It's, it's a different, it's a completely different story. Um, when you're hiring an actress versus, you know, bringing on a full-on collaborator. And I was just browsing Instagram and I happened upon Julia's profile and it was instant. It was like, she has the look. She absolutely has the look. But I had no idea where they were or, or where she was, I should say, or 
you know, if she had any acting experience. So I started to dig a little deeper, only to discover that she has a twin, mm -hmm. an identical <laughs> twin. And the, Jackpot, the, gears, right? <laughs> the gears started rolling in my brain. I was like, oh my goodness, we could totally utilize that to such wonderful spooky effect, having two of them. And so out of the blue, I emailed them and said, hey, I'm this random guy that you don't know. I have a YouTube channel. We want to do an Edgar Allan Poe video. Uh, would you be in for being the lead actresses slash makeup artists slash costume you know, <laughs> slash – oh, and it turns out they also sing, so slash yeah. vocalists. <laughs> and we had a quick Zoom, and they were in, and they made that film. Mm -hmm. I mean, in, in so many ways. I can't, I can't overstate the spirit that they brought to that film, the character that they imbued in, in the uh, – into that ghostly character just would not have been possible without without those two and they they were such wonderful collaborators because they were so willing they were just so passionate about the project um that they brought so much more than just i we're the lead actress um you know they helped find locations they helped find props like the 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 edgar Allan poe the big book that we that she opens at the beginning uh they found that in a in an antique shop mm -hmm. like a week after we had this conversation it was just so serendipitous um and then they were like uh let's you know let's let's sing let's make some music too so the sort of the haunting vocals that you hear throughout the score and the the eliza song you know that's them singing as well um so it was just such a treat um I feel so lucky to have found them, so lucky that they were such wonderful collaborators and so talented um, that, yeah, for, for those that haven't, haven't seen the film, you're in a real treat. Um, and a lot of that is, is thanks to Julia and Joanna and what they brought to the film. Yeah, they're incredible. They're they're I love I love watching uh, their videos and listening to their music. It's just yeah, it's so haunting. It's great. Yeah. Um, so you also wrote a book. Let's talk about your book, Zombie Junior, which came out. Um, so it sounds like this came out about the same time that Hollywood Graveyard Channel uh, kicked into gear, roughly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us about the book. Yeah, tell us about the book, and um, you know, tell us about your interest in in, in writing. Uh, long form novels, um, and 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 can we expect more in the future? <laughs> Not that we're like give us more content, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's just I'm. I've always been a passionately creative person, but I, I fall into that tragic category of jack of all trades but master of none <laughs> because I want to do everything, but then I want to move on to doing something else before I get really good at doing. <laughs> doing something and so uh, but Zombie Junior I actually started writing that back in about 2006 2007 long time ago and I would actually wander around Salt Lake City Cemetery just to sort of get in the mood get in the mm -hmm. vibe you know about this young zombie boy who crawls out of his grave at night um, and it's a middle grade reader so it's sort of a young younger audience but it's written in such a way to be enjoyable for Halloween lovers and spooky lovers of all age, of, of all ages. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, after writing that book and trying to get it, I could not get the thing published, mm -hmm. you know? It's just such a hard, kids' books, you know, are a dime a dozen. It's such a hard market to break into. So I just self-published it. Mm -hmm. I got to the point where it's like, agents aren't going to bother. So uh, fortunately, there are, resources for self-publishing nowadays so i just self-published it and i got very lucky with the cover art uh, i've been a fan of gris grimley for a long time and i thought oh his art would be so perfect for this book so i reached <laughs> out to him pitched him the idea and he was gracious enough um to take me on uh, and to make a really cool paint watercolor painting for the cover mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean it, it's a story it's another Store, another expression, uh, so to speak, of my love for stories from the graveyard. And uh, while that one's entirely fictional, um, 
it's it's just another way for me to tell stories from the graveyard. And uh, I've I've toyed around with the idea of writing a sequel because uh, people are very positive about it, mm-hmm. e- even though it's self-published and you know it's not widely dis- distributed. Those that get their hands on it are very positive about it. Um, I've had a hard time justifying, you know, every time I start to think about writing a sequel, I'm like, well, the first one didn't get published. <laughs> Why write a sequel? Uh, I, I suppose if there was a demand for it, um, if, if people started to come out of the woodwork and said, hey, you know, we want to know what Junior's up to next. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll see. But uh, I, I was fortunate enough through Zombie Junior and through Hollywood Graveyard to have calm contact me about writing some calm sleep stories for kids, sort of in the same spirit of Zombie Junior. Um, so I've written two, written and narrated two sleep stories for Calm uh, about a young ghost named Nifty. And if you want to know why his name is Nifty, well, you'll have to have to listen to the to the story. But yeah, just another another fun way to tell stories from from the graveyard. Yeah. I'm always like curious with just like, you know, with like with, with me, I, I write, you know, but I have my my career, my thing that I have to mm-hmm. do to, to to exist. And, you know, oh, I was yeah. just Amen. Amen. I was just up at Sundance um, covering the film festival up there. And same thing with most people coming, you know, up and even if they're getting like a lot of notoriety, um you know, you have to hustle in life and you have to, you know, you have to balance your time. So I'm always impressed and I'm always curious how people who create high quality art, um, how do you balance like the, you know, you know, all the, I mean, the, the videos just seem like it must take so much time to, um, plan them, shoot them, edit them, narrate them. Um, and then when you take on a big project like the, um, at the Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe, and I guess you spoke to that a bit about like kind of just shooting it here and there over the course of a year and a half. How do you um, how do you schedule your time? I mean, maybe that's maybe that's too um, <laughs> not creative to talk about, but it has to be on some level. You have to plan when you're going to do something, otherwise, stuff just does not get done. Yeah, and I'm pretty laid back. I, I think. I, I'm not a hustle and bustle kind of a guy. I've I, I tried tried to do that for a time, and it it just kills you. And mm-hmm. you need to find happiness and contentment in in what you're doing, and without letting it kill you. You know, <laughs> I, I I see some of these YouTubers, and and you know if they, they you know that are putting out a video a day or two or three videos a week, and I'm like I can't I cannot do that. That mm-hmm. that would kill me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, all power to them. If they can do it, that's great. But for me, I I need to take my time to do it right and to do it well. And so I, I suppose I'm I'm a species of YouTuber that <laughs> emphasizes quality over quantity. And that's not to say that, quant, you know, putting out a lot of content very frequently isn't good. There's definitely a, an audience and a market for that. But my brand um is only about one video a month i mm-hmm. when hollywood graveyard first started i was able to do uh i i set a schedule of once every two weeks doing a video and that almost killed me mm-hmm. it got to a point where I, I i think the audience maybe for a time was a little disappointed that they weren't getting their twice monthlies <laughs> um, but I, I just couldn't keep it up, especially since the, the reach was expanding. Like I was just sort of running out of content that I could drive down the street and get. I was having to reach out further and further. And then you're going to places like New York and Italy and Switzerland. And it just takes a much longer time to put out videos. And those very earlier videos, too, were much, much shorter. Um, the very first couple of videos I did, I, I, I tried to squeeze way too many big stars uh, into way too short of videos. And so some of the pro- profiles are woefully brief. And so just through, through time and experience, the, the, um, the format has settled into a place, into a good place, I think, um, where it takes me about a month to, to do a, what I believe is a high quality video. Um, and, uh, 
I don't kill myself in the process. And I think that's important. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you've got to, you got to do what you got to do to, to make it and to survive. But you know, if, if you're killing yourself in the process, it's, you know, suck the joy right out of you. <laughs> so. Well, no, it, I mean, I completely agree. It's like, um, you, you see so many channels and, you know, for whatever reason that they, they burn out, you know, and maybe, yeah. maybe it was a, it's a conscious choice, but, um, you know, like I've only had my podcast for a little over a couple of years. And so I, I put out one episode every week or two. And then I just, just this last, at the end of the year, I got an email from the, um, the podcast provider that I use. And it was like, congratulations, you, you've put out more content than 90% of our, oh, wow. <laughs> and hey. I haven't done anything, you know, it's very little, <laughs> but I think, yeah. I think it's just the, the keeping it like, just keep doing it because I do the same thing. I try not to kill myself and I only try to have people that I am really interested in, you know, on, on the show. And yeah, um, yeah. I think, I think you have to do that. You have to, you know, make it enjoyable and, and spread it out. So that's, yeah, that's I think great the, audience, advice. the audience can tell too. I, oh, I for think sure. that if, if, if you yourself have lost your passion for it, it comes through in the work. Yeah. And then the work suffers and then it, it just becomes sort of self-deprecating at that point. And so if, if the audience can sense that you, your, your passion and is, is continuing and thriving and surviving, it comes through in the work and, and they, they'll, they'll continue to come along for the ride because of that, I believe. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, a great stopping point. I mean, I think, um, I love the channel and I've rewatched many of the videos um, because, you know, I've been to those cemeteries, but there's so many people that I was, you know, not even aware of. So it's so yeah. cool seeing that. Do, do you have a favorite? Do you have like a, a, a favorite. favorite Hollywood graveyard moment or video or? I, you know, okay. I will say, and and it's kind of fun, funny you ask that because it just popped up um again on your recent video about like your mm-hmm. your your favorite graves like your top 10 yeah my top graves. 10 yeah. yeah your top 10 so um and i think you must because this was in my head so you must have mentioned it in another video but the uh george burns gracie allen um kind of how that you were you didn't know of them before kind of doing you know this exploration they were kind of you 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 discovered their work and you know you kind of fell in love um you know, with their old show and radio program. So the, I'm a huge George Burns fan. Mm. Um, and so I think that was just, I felt like a kindred spirit right there. Cause I, oh, don't, great. Meet a lot, I don't meet a lot of people um, of our age demographics. That's true. That, that's into us, George Burns. <laughs> us young bucks into, into, into George Burns, into vaudeville stars yeah. of the 1920s and thirties. Yeah. So I think, I think I, I like, um, I love that. And I think you just, the the people that I am really uh, like I know a lot about certain actors just like we all do or certain comedians, um, and you cover it so well like the Three Stooges I'm like a a nut fan and I know oh, that's all, great yeah. all the, all kinds of so, stuff about it and you just covered have it. Have you so hit well. all three of them? Have you hit yeah. all three of them? All three, all the three, the big ones, and then the, yeah. and then we have the other three who are like the the replacement Stooges. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. you you covered all those too. So yeah, I've been. Um, to all those multiple times, but I've thought about doing a Three Stooges special, covering the Three Stooges, the other Stooges, but also the people behind. You know, the producers, yeah. the writers, just the whole world. And there's a to, there's yeah. a lot of them. I've been to um, a bunch of those graves of like supporting mm-hmm. supporting characters, uh, directors. Yeah. I actually we should have to talk about this another time. But I was, um, I was actually. I corresponded with one of the writer directors when I was a teenager in my early twenties and we would go down and visit him in Van Nuys, this old, old man named Ed Barron. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that was a, that was a trip meeting someone who like, you know, he directed Curly's and Shemp. Wow. And, I'll you bet. Know, very that interesting. That must've been a treat. Yeah. yeah so um, I think just, let me see. I love the home, home of peace cemetery. Cause I think that one doesn't get um, noticed as much. It's so unique. It's, I love that cemetery. That that synagogue yeah. or the um the mausoleum there is just yeah. a, a outstanding. So I think, I think it just like the, the coverage you do of of all of them. It just makes me like, oh my gosh, someone else is is really into this, and they're doing they're doing it justice. You know, yeah, they're doing yeah. a high quality thing. So, do you um, ever make it out to 
do you ever do famous grave hunting in Utah? I not really. I mean, I go up yeah. to the. I used to live just a few years ago. We lived up near the um, Salt Lake City Cemetery, but I don't really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. I guess that that world, not a ton of interest on mm-hmm. my end. Um, but yeah, there's I, not a lot of Hollywood that's spilled over into into Utah. But your audience uh, might be curious to know a couple of names. Out there. Yeah. Um, uh, Clark Gable the third, Clark Gable's grandson, yeah. is actually buried in Provo. Um. And uh, the original Rain Man, Kim Peek, um, is buried. Oh, I think it's the the Murray area. I want to say. Okay. Um, the... And then one one of my favorite graves in uh, up in Salt Lake because I'm I'm such a junk food nut. I I should weigh <laughs> I should weigh five hundred pounds, but I, but I don't. I literally eat Oreos every night before bed. Sometimes in bed. Um, the man who designed the Oreo cookie, William Turnier, really is laid to rest in Mount Olivet, which is adjacent to Salt Lake City Cemetery. It's a Catholic yeah. sort of portion of, of that plot of land. And he's got a little tiny Oreo cookie engraved into his tombstone. <laughs> so I love that little that little grave. I'm gonna go check Oreo, that out. <laughs> a little Oreo cookie engraved. So Utah, Salt Lake, be proud. You've you've got the man that designed the Oreo cookie. I got to check that uh, out. Right, That's right amazing. There, so. yes. um, and I got to thank you for the Google Maps, the hardware, the, the, because uh, I've been using those when I go down now, those Google Maps that you've spent, I imagine, so much time doing um, the GPS coordinates of all these spots. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's yeah. like, it's such a huge help. I'm glad they're helpful because that's literally how I find my way around. Like when I'm yeah. preparing for a tour, sitting here in my, you know, tiny apartment uh, on Google Maps, I literally, uh, map it out, drop pins, and then so that when I'm on site, I just have my phone out and I GPS my little blue dot to line up with the little marker <laughs> on the map, and there's the grave. And so since since that's sort of how I I find my way around, I'm glad that it's a tool that is helpful to other people as well. Because yeah, sometimes help. even videos aren't enough. Like mm-hmm. you need that GPS to say you are standing now on <laughs> right. so and so's grave. Yeah, definitely really appreciate those. So, uh, well, Arthur, thank you for talking with me. This was, this was fun. And oh, yeah, I, I could, you know, I could go on and on <laughs> chatting yeah, with it's, you. It's, I'm sure. it's great to meet a, a kindred spirit. I, I, I'd love to talk more in depth. If you're ever out here again, let, let's meet up. I want to hear more about that. your early, your early days experiences. Cause yeah. I guess, relatively speaking, I'm so, something of a, of a latecomer. Yeah. Um, so I want to hear how it was way back in the day. That's, but you're doing it right. So <laughs> I would, yeah, I would love to meet up. I'm going to be out there for uh, a film festival in June. So I will, I'll let you know. Um, right. We can hit home a piece. That would be amazing. So, yeah, I, had a, I, had a curly. <laughs> I would love All that. Right. Arthur, thanks so much. My pleasure, Kyler. Thanks for okay. having me. Take care. That was Arthur Dark. Make sure to check out his channel, Hollywood Graveyard. One of my favorites. Uh, The music you're hearing right now is actually from the channel. Arthur was kind enough to let me play some of Giuseppe's originally composed music. Um, So we're going to play a couple tracks from that um, as we end another episode of Salt Lake Dirt. Thanks for listening.